this is one of my favorite messages, and so the Lord knew, the Lord knew today uh, that this was going to be the day that we deliver this a long time ago. But um, I want to uh, start with 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. It says, I'm writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. And uh, now, now watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just like, I'm going to toss this over here. So heads up, all right? I didn't see who caught that. Now you toss, uh, two, more, two more times. Toss it anywhere in the room. Go ahead, toss it. And one more time. Chase, come on up here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I would expect that from you. Now, uh, I'm going to read this passage. Come stand over here. Uh, I'm writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. It talks about three different stages of maturity. Three different stages of maturity, spiritual maturity, in that passage of scripture. So Chase, I'm going to ask you a question here. Let's think about... uh, the church as a whole, the church at not like Leavener, not like Northside, not, but just those who believe in Jesus Christ. The first stage of maturity, I write to you little children since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. What percentage would you say of the church, universal, believers in Jesus, understand forgiveness like you understand forgiveness, that he died one time and forgave you of all your sins, past, present, and future, and you don't have to seek forgiveness anymore? I think a very small percentage. Well, give me a number. Oh. Eight. Eight. <laughs> Is that too small? That. What? He thinks it's generous. Eight percent of the church understands the basic, the basic belief that Jesus died one time and forgave you of all your sins, past, present, and future. Eight percent is what Chase says. He says, uh, I'm writing to you young men because you have conquered the evil one. Of that eight percent, Chase, those that know how to overcome the evil one and the game that he plays, like he's putting thoughts into our mind, and we have the Spirit of God speaking to us, we have our own experiences, and we're able to decipher what is truth and what is lies, what percentage of that 8% are at the next level of maturity? <laughs> really? <laughs> Just answer the question. <laughs> The next level of maturity. Yeah. You, you have to go less than eight percent. Yeah, 
six. Yeah. I'll go five. Five percent. Five percent. So you got five percent left. And he says, I'm writing to you fathers, the next level of maturity, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. Of the five percent, how many know the Father so well and are, are walking with the one who is from the beginning, the creator, that has this intimate relationship with them, what percentage? Two. Two percent. I don't know. I'm just throwing numbers. Those are the exact, no, just kidding. <laughs> oh. oh, man. You can sit down. Thank you. Nice job, Chase. If, Chase, if that's the state of the church, no wonder nobody wants a part of it. No wonder. Like, I believe the evil one is absolutely okay with those numbers. Let the church do, do its thing. If it's 10%, 5%, and 2%, eh, I got the majority of them that can't live abundantly, that can't live how God intended for them to live. So uh, today, in taking this, really through all 66 books, I want to show you what that third level, that third level looks like. And uh, it, it's cool to get there, Sometimes I think I go in and out of that third and second level. Uh, but when you're in it, you, you're in it. It's, um, it's an incredible place to be. So I'm going to try to explain this as, as best that I can. But I want to talk about the physical rest first. When we think about rest, everybody immediately thinks, oh, we're talking about just laying down and doing nothing. If that's the case here, you're absolutely wrong. Like, I believe in Sabbath rest, but it's not because I'm just sitting on my couch. Trust me. There's plenty of action going on around me. Uh, but let's talk about just this, this physical rest. I'm going to go all the way back to the Jews that were taken into captivity by the Egyptians. They became slaves to the Egyptians. And the reason that they became slaves to the Egyptians is because God had like said, you know, listen to me, and they, they didn't. And so the Egyptians took them into captivity and just kept them in bondage. So now there's this begging and pleading with God by the Hebrews, the Jews, to set us free, set the captives free. And in Numbers chapter 14 verse 26 it i won't read it to you right now i'll read it to you in a second but it talks about two different generations those that are 20 years and older and those that are under 20 years so now we have divided up this group of people into two different generations and the first type of rest that i want to talk to you about is basically redemption rest when we talked about understanding the forgiveness of sins and 
understanding, as Rick saying and talked about, the goodness of God, that's what we call redemption, being redeemed. It's rest for these people that were taken in captivity. It's rest from the bondage in Egypt, the first and most basic level of rest. It says in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And we know through all that happened, Moses led them out of captivity through the Red Sea, so they actually entered into this redemption rest. This generation, actually, both generations entered this. Those that were under 20 years of age and those that were older than 20 years of age, they both got to experience this redemptive physical rest by God. He's like, okay, now you're free. You're no longer slaves. And then he, he promised them to take them out of bondage out of slavery into this promised land that it would be just this beautiful place for them to reside we call that a Canaan rest because it was intended to be the the land of Canaan it's rest that really came from trusting God to overcome the enemy it's the same thing when he says I write to you young men because you know how to overcome the evil one Well, as you know in the story, they went and surveyed the land that they were getting ready to go into, sent spies, and they saw these giants that were in this land that God was to give them, and they were afraid to go into the land. Like, they couldn't overcome the enemy. It says in uh, Numbers... Chapter 14, verse 26, he says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, How long must I endure this evil community that keeps complaining about me? He's talking about the Jews. They complained about God when they were in captivity. They were complaining to God when he led them out of Egypt. He said, I have heard the Israelites' complaints that they make against me. Tell them. As I live, this is the Lord's declaration. I will do to you exactly as I heard you say. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. All of you who were registered in the census, the entire number of you, 20 years old or more, because you have complained about me. This is where he separates the generation. Those that are 20 years and older who are complaining, you're going to die. He says, I swear that none of you will enter the land I promised to settle you in, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. 
So now, this older generation, everybody that's 20 years and older, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until they died. Except for Joshua and Caleb. They all died right there. They never got to enter this Canaan rest that God had promised them because they just kept complaining all the time. Now, those that were 20 or under 20 years of age, you look at Joshua 21, verses 43 through 45. It says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side according to all he had sworn to their ancestors. None of their enemies were able to stand against them, for the Lord handed over all their enemies to them. None of the good promises the Lord has made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. So now those that were under 20 years of age got to enter this promised land, and there was no problem with the enemies. There was, there was no doubt. They trusted the Lord. And so they got to actually enter this physical Canaan rest. You with me? Then there's that third level. How do you get to that intimate relationship with God that he talks about in 1 John? We call this, and you hear this all the time, Sabbath rest. It comes with this true spiritual maturity. It's the, what we call living victoriously, living in an abundant life that Jesus intended for us to have. So obviously, those who, who were 20 years and over didn't make it to Canaan rest. They died in the wilderness. They obviously didn't make it to this Sabbath rest. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Now, I get this. This, this is what's so amazing right here is that we have already talked about Exodus. We've already talked about Numbers. Those are like some of the first books in the, in the Old Testament, in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five chapters. And now in Hebrews, which we're studying right here on a weekly basis right now, it's talking about the very same people. They didn't, they didn't get to experience this Canaan rest nor a Sabbath rest. But what about those that were under 20 years of age? Did they get to experience the Sabbath rest? I go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. It says, For if Joshua, who survived the first 40 years, Joshua and Caleb, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So even those that were under 20 years of age in the Old Testament didn't get to experience this Sabbath rest 
it was for another day. Joshua, Caleb, yeah, they got to experience Canaan rest, but they didn't get to experience Sabbath rest. Now, let's move forward to the book of Hebrews, this letter written to those that were believers in Jesus, that were Jews, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, where we've left off the last two weeks. What about them in those three levels of maturity? First of all, we have to talk about uh, the redemption rest. Did they have redemption rest? Were they able to enter that rest? Hebrews 3.1 says this. Now, this is literally for the people that were the letter of Hebrews was written to. It says, Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy, there's your clue right there, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. These people... The Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah understood that Jesus went to the cross and that his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of their sins. It wasn't, these are the same people that were like going to the temple and having the blood of bulls and goats and sheep poured out for the atonement of their sins, the covering of their sins, but not for the forgiveness of their sins. Only Jesus' blood could give forgiveness of sin and take all their sin away, past, present, and future. And they understood this. So now, those believers in Hebrews experienced a redemption rest. But what about the Canaan rest? Could they get to this where they just trust God to overcome the enemy? I look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. It says this. Remember the early days when after you had been enlightened, like you came to know Jesus as the Messiah, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions. And at other times, you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions, because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. They were encouraged to stick with what they believed initially but they're getting pressure they're being persecuted by other jews and everybody else no you need to go back and do the sacrifices at the temple the temple was still in existence and sacrifices were still being made by those jews that didn't believe that jesus was the messiah and they're doing everything that they can to get these believers in jesus to go back and do the same thing they're like God's like, I've allowed you to enter this Canaan rest to overcome your enemies. All you have to do is do it. Like, the letter of Hebrews, he's encouraging them to enter this Canaan rest. Don't go back. Don't go back. You've got it all. It's right here. You don't have to keep doing these 
offerings every year and everything else. And if you do, you're probably going to get killed because the Romans are going to come in in 70 AD and destroy the temple. And 1.1 million Jews will die. But what about Sabbath rest? Could those Jewish Hebrew believers enter into Sabbath rest that comes this spiritual maturity, this abundant life with the Creator? In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, it says this. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort. Let us then make every effort. (laughs) The church uses that as, you got to do, you got to do, you got to work, you got to do all that. No. Did you not see what it said before that? For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works. And then immediately it's followed up with, let us then make every effort. Well, what's every effort? My every effort is for me not to do it, but the Lord to do it in me and through me. That's my every effort. That's, that's the hard part because Rusty wants to fix everything. Me, me dying to myself and just like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you this weekend. I'm going to trust you. You're going you're gonna to do this. He says, let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience, like going back and doing the offerings. And the Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I did this today. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I, I forgave you one time. Took care of it one time. I died on the cross. I'm not going back up on the cross again, dying again for your sins that you did Yesterday, today, tomorrow, I got it covered. It's done. It's over. Your sin issue is not an issue with God. If you can figure that out, you get to the first level of spiritual maturity. And then... What about us? What about us? The believers of all time. What about you in this room right here? Where are you in this whole thing? It says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let me tell you, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah, that he's your Savior, that he died for your sins, that he forgave you of all your sins, you have been redeemed, and you have redemption rest. If you don't believe that, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, and it's a hard road. The easy road is, believing (laughs) that's it i'm not asking you to come up here and say a prayer i'm not asking you to like 
give an offering. I'm not asking you to be here every Sunday. I'm not asking you to like help little old ladies across the street. I'm not asking you to do any of that. I'm just saying if you believe, you've entered redemption rest. But what about the Canaan rest for you? The whole Canaan rest. Do you, tr- do you trust God to overcome your enemies in this room? I look at Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It says this. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. How do you enter into this Canaan rest of overcoming your enemies? It's as I was saying when Chase was standing here. It's all right here. It's all right here. If I want to enter Canaan rest, I have to be able to decipher what is truth, what is lies. What is truth, what is lies. I live in a world of lies. My truth is right here and right here. And I take that truth that I have been given the mind, the mind of Christ. I have been given the mind of Christ because when he died and I believed, he perfected me. He made me holy. He sanctified me. He set me apart. He gave me the mind of Christ. Like, he gives me the wisdom. I can think like God. I'm not God, but I can think like God. I can read his word and I can be encouraged by it and I can understand it. And so I take that word and I process it and I, I take my new heart. My, I'm a new creation. I'm holy, righteous, and redeemed. And I take all the junk that comes at me, all the junk that comes at me, all the media, all the things on my stinking phone, all, all the thoughts that get barraged in my head and I have to like filter it. That's the lie. That's truth. This is the truth. That's a lie. That's a lie. This, this is how I overcome the enemy. And if 5% get that, It, it, it's a game changer. When you can literally go, look, I, I see what God adores, what's important to God, versus what the world thinks is important. Whew. They don't line up. Trust me, they don't line up. So I have to process. Lord, I'm... I'm pursuing you. I'm following you. I trust you. I want the Canaan rest. And then we get to the Sabbath rest. I write to you, fathers, because you know the one who is from the beginning. You know the creator. You have an intimate relationship.
the abundant life that God intended. Psalm 95, verse 7. For he is our God and we are his people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are not a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. How do you get to this Sabbath rest? By knowing the Father. And then you go, well, how do you know the Father? (laughs) I wish I could tell you. I read his word. I hang out with you. I hang out with the world. I listen. I walk slowly. I learn. I process. It's hard. It's not easy. But when you do, when I can rest from my own works, when it's not me up here teaching, the things that you see me do, may they be what the Father has done through me. It's the same for you. It's the same for you. John says, I'm writing to you little children since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you fathers because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have conquered the evil one. Three levels of maturity. I don't know where you are. I don't try to attain the different levels of maturity. I just walk. I just walk. And I get to experience. I get to experience what God intended for me to experience. The abundant life. Even in the midst of death and grief, I get to experience the abundant life. Oh, Elizabeth. Hmm. You're there face to face. And Lord, I, um, I trust you with your word that we can that we can walk with you intimately. That you um, hold us at moments like this. May we truly understand what it means to have spiritual rest. To have Sabbath rest. To let you do our lives for us. May you breathe for me today and tomorrow. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.